0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. And we're live. And I am so excited. Today's guest is a fellow technology marketer but he is a data marketing leader. We're going to talk a lot about data today. And the good news is, from the Boston area, fellow fan of the Boston <laughs> sports teams, aka hashtag winners. Everyone just tuned off at this point. There's only a few people left listening. To yeah, the we podcast. don't
1: want to upset our audience. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, who else? B2B tech marketing has been doing it for over 25 years. Demand Gen, before it was even called Demand Gen he is the vice president of product and solution marketing at inside view a cool company we're going to talk about
1: joe andrews how are you sir i am great thanks for having me casey excited to be here and talk all about data with you yeah man it, you know the theme really is around
0: data preparedness getting things ready i think a lot of times marketing can be like you know there's you know, ready aim fire we're like fire Ready, aim, I, you know, we kind of messed the order up and data is so important, I think we kind of overlooked that. So what I want to do here is pass you, this is heavy, but you can take this, it's Thor's hammer, <laughs> okay, and take that I'll and smash a myth for me, some bogus marketing strategy or some kind of craziness you're hearing out there that's totally not right, or maybe it's people just confused, they don't know the truth.
1: Yeah, well, one that I saw really recently is just around confidence around data. Okay. Um, you know, you might ask a marketer or a seller, how confident are you in your data? They might say, oh, it's 50, 50, or we've got this, or data is never perfect, but we're in pretty good shape. I just saw a new stat from Forrester that says 12% of B2B marketers are highly confident in the quality of their data. Um, that's, that's really eye-opening to me. Um, and that's, you know, I, I know we're preaching to the choir here. Um, but really the focus on how do you improve your data quality Um, and we're going to get into not only how you do it, but why is it so important? Um, Why is it such an impact on the business?
0: Interesting. When it comes down to it, we're just, I get that. We're just not confident in it. You know, I I know one time I inherited 12,000 records from, you know, probably 12 years ago and the company thought they were all still valid and I think sometimes we just kind of blind eye toward data because we think, oh man, it's, it's crazy out there. Did you
1: say 12 years ago?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's like you inherit data. that was in an old, old CRM and it's been around. It's like, oh, we sold this deal, you know, eight or nine years ago. Like probably none of those records are accurate at this point.
1: Right, exactly. We, we went through a major of our database uh, a few years ago and we basically purged anything that was, you know, minimum three years nice. or older. Um, and then anything we prioritized, anything that was active within a year. Oh, cool. We really focused on the recency and, you know, we have well over a decade of data in our history.
0: So you, you kept only the three year window and then you focused on the one year active. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. It probably sounds scary though. So, so, so we smashed the fact that we're confident in data.
1: Yeah. What,
0: what else, what else are we, were you seeing out there?
1: I mean, another big myth is around alignment, okay. uh, sales and marketing alignment specifically. This is a, a topic that InsideView often uh, talks about because what we do is enabling um, you know, better sales and marketing execution. It all starts with the data. Right. Uh, and um, what we, we did a survey about a year ago to sales and marketing decision makers and uh, data, believe it or not, uh, or lack of, lack of agreement on target accounts, uh, was one of the highest, was Mm -hmm. the highest source of misalignment between sales and marketing Mm -hmm. leaders. And that was absolutely, um, you know, surprising to us just that, uh, you know, we did, we didn't expect that it wouldn't be up there, but it, for, for it to be the number one source of, of sales and marketing leaders not being aligned was, was just, you know, a big takeaway for us. Why do you think that that was number one? Um, I just think that there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of subjectivity around other uh, other factors. For example, a couple of the other factors are communication. Mm -hmm. Um, So how, you know, how often, how well uh, companies are, or sales and marketing teams are communicating with each other, also super important, something that InsideView focuses on ourselves, mm-hmm. um, that the right level, the right threshold may be, uh, you know, may be subjective um, or may be different for different companies. Another key factor um, was around metrics. How are sales and marketing uh, leaders measured? For example, you know, sales definitely measured on revenue, Right. Marketing historically has been focused on leads, quantity, more of right. the top of that funnel. Uh, we'll probably get more in depth in this conversation on the funnel itself. But um, so there's a big, a big separation between those metrics, um, and you know we we've seen more and more marketers start to be measured by pipeline or opportunity value, um, you know further down the pipeline I should say. Right. But those are though the right balance there may be more subjective, but data is black and white. You either, you know, if, if you have a named account that a sales rep owns and is focused on, um, if that's not on marketing's radar and vice versa, then there's a huge disconnect. Hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see that, that that was the number one source of misalignment, uh, but it's something that uh, was music to our ears because we helped yeah. our customers focus on that, that and improve yeah. that. We fix that.
0: Huh. <laughs> You know, I I guess it's the root of all the problems too. If you can't even align on who you should be going after, then all the leads you're ever going to send over are going to come back to you, or they're going to just be rated poorly. Exactly. I we found hidden.
1: You know, no, we I did talk to a anymore. lot of uh, a yeah. lot of sales and marketing leaders. You know, and I'm sure you know, Casey. You've been around the industry for a while. In, you know, in the old days. <laughs> Uh, Sales would come to marketing and say here are the in b2b here are the accounts. We want to focus on Um, and generally they were selected by uh, Heuristics knowing, you know that there's some something good about an account that a sales leader wants to go after assigned to one of uh, his or her reps Um, Maybe it's historical performance. Maybe it's relationship. uh, Maybe it's recency. We just had something go on Um, and then sales would dictate those accounts and, and marketing would be, you know, quote unquote forced to comply with that. Um, and often they didn't, right? Because again, marketing is focused on raising overall lead volumes. Um, they're going to, they're going to focus on anything that raises their, anyone who raises their hand and comes in as a lead. And the two may be very different nowadays. We're seeing marketing and sales leaders, um, are working together collaboratively to figure out who are the right accounts to go after and then who are the right people at those accounts to go after. Um, so it's much more of a collaborative approach. Um, most businesses you know, don't have it solved, um, but there's an awareness and a willingness to work together and, and make it better.
0: I was gonna say as it should be, uh, but huh. any sense for how many people actually know what their target market is? You know, like uh, people don't necessarily yeah. know if their data is good. Do, and it, the number one misalignment issue is the wrong target. Do we, yeah. Are we just con- generally confused about who we should be going after? So,
1: um, you know, another thing that InsideView does to help companies out is figure out who are the right targets and people to go after. Yeah, um, sure. and, and the meaning of right is, um, is, is an account, us. Uh, you know, an opportunity that matches with uh, who's an ideal customer prospect uh, or prospect. So basically, um, if you define your ideal profile of who Mm -hmm. to go target, and then you can, based on your best customers, and best can mean different things to different companies, and then go figure out who are all the available targets in the market to go after that look just like the best ones, that's ideal state. Um, And last year, actually, uh, Serious Decisions, um, renowned uh, market and sale, marketing and sales operations research firm, yep. added this layer to, I think, you know most of your audience is familiar with the demand waterfall, classic. Um,
0: we'll kind of catch people up if you process. haven't heard of it.
1: Yeah, so demand waterfall is, is, the, is basically the funnel, the, mm. the pipeline process, and it's broken down by different stages. Um, everything from awareness down to driving closed one sure. uh, revenue and it's meant to be a process guideline for B2B marketers and sellers and, and operate people in operations to support the business processes aligning to those things. Um, anyway, long story short, um, there up until last year had never been the notion of understanding your total addressable market. Um, and huh. So they added this layer called target demand, which indicates all of the, the so-called units or available opportunities that a company should go after. And it's the starting point. Um, so back to your question, um, I know I'm long-winded here, but <laughs> the, the question of you know what, what percentage of companies actually know that, we, uh, we asked that in our survey. Okay. And more than half of companies, more than 50%, don't uh, don't regularly assess their target market. Uh, about a quarter of them do it on an ad hoc basis or annual basis. Um, but our best practice guidelines are that a company start there and they do it on a regular basis. Back to what you said earlier, you know, data is not a set it or set it and forget it exercise.
0: Right, right. So you, you got to revisit it though. Huh? Is, is your yeah. ideal buyer changing essentially and you got to just stay up with
1: it? Yeah. Anytime a company has a change in their product set. So mm-hmm. if you're a technology company and you're launching uh, you know, new software capabilities or, or you're launching new products uh, that yeah. really cuts across any industry, um, your target buyer likely has changed. Um, right. in, in the profile of that ideal account that you want to go after has likely changed. Interesting. Um, Additionally, yeah. Yeah, the, if the market landscape changes, the competitors who are, who are out there, the way that you're positioning against those, that could change your ideal buyer profile um, at any time. That makes sense. Um, as the market evolves, as you evolve. Um, so the need to revisit that continuously uh, is, is definitely a best practice. Okay, that
0: makes sense. It kind of lines up too. I was chatting with Ellen Naylor on win-loss and she talks about not just... And Parmalee too, Eastman, not just uh, doing it once. They do like buyer research. They'll go out and interview them and that kind of thing. And and they were saying, don't just do that once, but stay up with your buyers and talk to them quarterly. And it makes sense here. You know, Think about who is your target audience and, and keep that discussion going. So it's not just like you were handed some target audience from 12 years ago or whatever it is, and then you're just kind of carrying that forward. That makes sense to keep circling around to it.
1: Exactly, um, and as the, so when we talk about your total addressable market or your, your ideal targets, yeah. because data is constantly changing, um, you may have the set of all of the perfect target accounts and people within those companies defined once, but if you're not updating that at least once a year, ideally you know, a couple times a year, or some, some companies we know do it quarterly, then you're not capturing and keeping up today all of the the opportunities that you're going after, yeah. and it sort of gets down to the heart of the the focus on data quality that we're going to talk about here today, which is, um, you know, the the purpose of this is really to make your sales and marketing execution better, okay, um, and that that optimizes your revenue engine, uh, and if if you have, um, you know, there's a stat. Another serious decision stat. Uh, typically in B two B, about twenty five percent of a database is inaccurate at any time. Seriously. That's, yeah, accounts or oh, process, or people.
0: Who um, said that? Who
1: who's the twenty four That was serious decisions. Hmm. Those guys and still doing consulting? They do. They do a lot of good consulting. No, not,
0: they? I know they got into like doing the service providing at some point too. I don't know if they're still doing that. It's
1: kind of weird. I'm not, actually room. not familiar with that that part okay. of their offering set, but. But I think but back to the data quality yeah. um, there's if a quarter of your data is incorrect at any given time um, you're not just wasting uh, motions in terms of campaigns that are going nowhere but you're wasting salespeople's time yeah. focusing on those opportunities yeah. and they may um, they're they're not going to lead anywhere if the data is not correct um, cool. or you're you know best best case you're gonna hamper their ability to execute um, and that's just going to lead to, you know, slow down in revenue.
0: Yeah, at the least. So I'm pretty freaked out now. 25% <laughs> of my data is wrong. I don't know who my target audience is. Um, all the things are messed up. So let's talk about cleaning it, fixing it. Uh, you know, how do you make your data ready? How do you, you know, help me, help me, Joe help yeah. me the situation.
1: We, um, so a lot of the, the customers that we work with, um, go through a, a fairly consistent sequential process okay. and the names of the steps may be different, but typically, um, companies will start with a self-assessment. So they'll look at, um, you know, how clean, how unclean or clean is their data? Okay. Um, you know, what, what's missing, uh, from, okay. from records. Uh, so typically a lot of. Uh, records, account records, people records, maybe missing information. Yeah. uh, Maybe missing address or um, on people, maybe missing email addresses. So you don't have a way to contact them. Um, So start with a um, self-assessment.
0: Self-assessment. So you're doing it to yourself. I was going to say using tools for this. You just kind of downloading Excel.
1: Yeah. So, so you can use tools. Um, You could use a tool like inside view, for example, to diagnose, um, you know, how, how many, uh, fields you're missing on specific records, what percentage of, you know, account, uh, data on say um, uh, number of employees or revenue counts are invalid. Um, and that would give you a baseline to say, okay, we have a big problem. It's 25%, 50%, et cetera. So, uh, you could also use uh, a service provider, to. Who would do this on uh, it, yeah. you know more more of a hands on approach? Um,
0: it's funny. I'm like trying not to make it sound like an infomercial for Inside View or Cheshire Impact. Yeah, right?
1: or Cheshire. I mean, it's that's, like
0: questions keep coming up, and it's important. you guys
1: face this a lot as well yeah, with your clients. Yeah. And so, what do you tell what do you tell clients as a first step to uh, self assess or diagnose?
0: Well, I'm on the same page. I mean, you gotta you yeah. gotta figure out where the gaps are, right? And I think before even just diving in and fixing you got to just understand how bad is the problem of course if it's 25 percent on average then we got some work to do but yeah some Some are really
1: high some aren't so bad yeah and then the next step is to clean um and he there you want to again you know either through a service provider or through using tools like inside view um actually address the data um and that includes uh updating incorrect information. So if a company, uh, is out of business, um, they need to get marked that way. If there's, if they're missing information, if they've moved, um, you know, another, uh, amazing stat is the, uh, Bureau of Labor and Statistics says that, uh, 2.7 million people change jobs every month. Um, so put that into perspective. Um, that's about, uh, if you extrapolate that over a year, huh. um, it's about you know 30 million or so people per year. That's one-tenth of the United States population.
0: Hey, I was just going to Google it. What is the population in the U.S.?
1: I don't know exactly. I think it's about 320 million, 330 million.
0: I'm going to Google and see. You, you said how
1: many? See. You said 300 and what? 330 is my guess. Okay. What did you say the first time though? 320, 320, yeah. 330. You just bracketed
0: it perfectly. Three, 325 million 0.
1: 0.7. <laughs> there you go. That's not bad. I always had in my head for some reason really like 300 million. And yeah. then uh, I, I assumed it's grown a little since last time I saw it.
0: Right, right. We like learn the stat and I don't know, somewhere. Yeah. And then five years later, it's a little bit more.
1: So one tenth of the United States population changes jobs every month. I mean, every year, um, that's a, that's a significant amount. Um, and so back to that cleansing process, if you have a whole bunch of people who are, or contacts who are attached to an account that you're selling to, um, you know, you want to make sure that those people are correct, that they're currently employed there, that you have the right Contact information for them that you have the right titles, right? People also change uh, roles within companies True. Um, So someone who might have been an ideal prospect for you May no longer be the ideal prospect. So keeping a handle on that is really important um, so that sort of phase two is the cleansing process and then you want to also fill in missing information um, okay. we InsideView talks a lot about uh, firmographics like um, industry codes, number of employees, revenue ranges, because that helps B2B companies identify whether or not a a company is within their ideal, uh, you know, ideal customer band. Yeah. Uh, And it also helps companies with things like territory assignment. Sure. Um, If you're, you know, if you have a uh, sales team that is separated by size, so you have small business team, you have enterprise team, and, and you have a cut line somewhere of number of employees, let's say it's 500 or a thousand employees. If a business was 400 employees last year and they were assigned to your small business team, but now they have 600 employees this year or 800 employees and and you need to reassign them to your enterprise team. You want to, you want to be aware of that data. So filling in, um, Information that is missing, um, mm-hmm. refreshing, updating information that is uh, no longer valid. That's all part of the clean process. Got it. Got and it. then, then what you want to do is you want to um, set up processes for enriching and appending data to new records that come into your system. So okay. You do a one-time clean, like of your clean of what you system. have. Yeah. And I'm sure you do this as a service with your clients before migrating, um, you know, to Salesforce or to Pardot. Um, we do, we did this ourselves, but then you want to, w- once you have your house in order, you have clean data. You want to ensure that the processes keep it clean as clean as possible. Right. I mean, Never you are going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. But, but then tomorrow it's dirty again. Right. Right. Let's say you have, uh, inbound leads. Every company gets some leads. Sure. Lead amount of leads through their website. Um, and you have, uh, you have leads who are raising their hand saying, I'm interested in what you do. But typically when you ask a lead to register on your website, um, you know, best practice to say, you're only going to collect a few fields. Mm Um, you know, ideally it's three, um, less, definitely less than seven. Um, But but you, so you might collect uh, email address, name and company. Um, and then how do you ensure that that lead gets routed correctly number right. one and gets qualified um, And so you need to add information. You need to append things like um, the you know the master account or the, the company name. Um, you want to append the firmographics like employee size, employee range uh, revenue range. And you want to be able to validate that, hey, this is a, this is an account that, based on what we have going on in in our named account data over here, is someone we should be talking with, um, okay. and it should be routed to, Diane, who's the sales rep on this account. Hmm. We actually we learned in our past um, we had an ex- a famous example where uh, a subsidiary. Of a large strategic account that we that was a good customer of ours um, came in through uh, a web form, and we didn't match it and enrich it correctly and then we routed it incorrectly to a small business team rep, and they were not able to uh, basically caused an embarrassing situation because we should have known all along that this was really a subsidiary of a much larger company right. Right. Yeah, so that's something we tell our clients all the time. Is, and
0: you don't want to treat like a star client like a brand new, you know, small startup you've never worked with before. Yeah, it's like who are you again, guy? I just bought exactly. like three hundred grand from you last month. You're gonna treat me like you're gonna cold call me from your small business team? Like yeah, come on. But if I
1: get I get a you know Casey at CheshireImpact dot com in my automated system, yeah. you know how is it going to know? that you're someone that we have activity with or that you know it needs to get routed to a certain sales segment
0: yeah right to the top man oh oh boy it's casey let's (laughs) let's get him
1: we need the the bat phone
0: yeah that's right (laughs) so yeah i'll help you feel a little bit better too i I, we bumped into a, a client that um bad data management here they were I don't know what the opposite of enrich is, but they were doing this Hmm. and they were uh, when, when someone um, in poor, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. In in poor, Uh, they, when someone said unsubscribe me, they deleted their email address when um, someone was uh, not there, something, they deleted the phone number. And then the worst case happened when, uh, someone, you know, if, if someone wasn't there, they would write next to their first name, like moved or isn't here in their first name field, right? Oh, and wow, so, that's bad. But then the worst case happened when uh, someone died and they wrote, like, Mark is dead Oof. as the first name. And wouldn't you know, an email campaign went out to the people and to the, to Mark. Who was not there. He got it forwarded to his coworkers Oof. who had to then see Mark is dead on their first line of the email. Like,
1: Oh, I'm sure that's one they wanted to take back.
0: That is a rough day right there. But yeah, you know, it's so important to not only clean, but then tell me about the processes. How do you keep it clean once it's, you know, how, how is it a, a process? What do, what do you do? What do you advise people to do at that point?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a process. Um, You know, we, we work with clients to understand, you know, first of all, what are, what are their processes for making changes to the data? Okay. Um, So where are the data, you know, being changed? So like sales rep, do they have access to change a master account record? Right. Um, You know, like that mistake was human error. So you have to, you have to, you know, be able to squash them, understand where those are coming from. And then maybe, maybe improve the process right. uh, to fix that. Um, you want to understand what systems are housing this data um, ah. because typically you know, that's another, another thing when you're, when you're doing the cleanse process Is let's say you do it in CRM. So you're doing it in, in the core of where your, um, you know, most transactional sales system is. But then it's also, you also have to go out and look, is that same data in marketing automation? Do I need to update it there? Right. Is there another system like, you know, ERP or accounting system downstream when, you know, we have customers and we're, uh, we have to bill them. We have to make sure that that information is correct. So there are a lot of places where this information gets written and you have to right. make sure that you're solving for all of them. Um, And then, you know, just as important in the process is understanding where are all the, where are all the, um, you know, channels for inputting new data. So we talked about the web um, for inbound leads. We talked about sales reps. Uh, We talked about, you know, marketing campaigns and responses. Let's say we do an email campaign and we get, you know, we get undeliverable uh, email addresses. Are we then, closing the loop and going back and updating those uh, contact records in those systems with the right Right. email addresses. Right. Um, Making sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when you talk with large customers, enterprises that may have multiple divisions, they may be using separate instances of CRM and marketing automation and all of these systems. And uh, so anytime that you have multiple systems um, and and you, um, you know, you're, you're a much larger organization, the processes become more complex and it becomes right. a lot more difficult to make these changes.
0: Absolutely, you got to survey all of that. I, I like the idea of just taking a step back and looking at what's modifying your data, where is the data stored, understanding the relationships between different systems, especially as it gets larger, understanding that you know, your marketing automation system may update a record or might not. Mm-hmm. You know, the most accurate information might be somewhere, but not have the the ability, the permissions to get to where it needs
1: to be. Exactly.
0: Hmm. Good stuff. Is is though are those the steps? I have assess, clean, and rich. Mm.
1: Um, and then we have uh we have basically expand. <laughs> um so back to that notion of TAM and your target demand layer. Yeah. Uh, where are you missing records? So, if you uh, are focusing on on certain marketing seg- go to market segments, um, you want to take that ideal customer profile. Uh, you know, and that could be based on a number of criteria. <laughs> and you want to get, you want to see what what is the superset of all the accounts right. in the market, because you you may be focusing really well, but you may be missing two thirds or maybe missing 90% of your total addressable market. Right. Um, or who you, who is in your named account strategy today may not be representative of who your best uh, targets are. Right. So you want to, you want to basically map the processes to map your existing database against a, um, against a large third party database, um, like inside view, um, to look at where are there gaps in your account coverage right? Um, and then yeah. go fill those in.
0: You know, I like that we're assessing, we're cleaning, we're enriching, then we're going out and getting more, right? I think sometimes we do that in reverse order. We're getting more data before we've cleaned up what's already there. We don't yeah. even know if we're going out and getting the right stuff in the first place. So I love that order. I think that's an important order to to put the expand in there for sure. But it comes after you've got your house in order. So you can add see now you can add more data to it. Cause this is adding as well. It's almost like we've in enri- yep. we've cleaned, but now we're enriching, we're you know, we're filling in more gaps, we're doing a better job adding records in there, and they're not dirtying up the database. So now let's add in even more records. But we've got the the, the protections in place to protect us from adding the bad stuff back in. Yeah,
1: and in in many cases it may not be more records, it may be better records. Really? Um, okay. You know, so um, I wasn't gonna get into account-based marketing uh, but, you know, it is uh, a popular topic these days with B2B uh, sellers and marketers. Um, and the notion being that, um, that you know, instead of going after everyone, you want to go after, a, you know, a smaller set of high quality targets, sure. opportunities. Um, and typically for B2B companies, um it it means having a named account focus on hundreds not thousands and thousands um, right. inside views case we have 300 roughly named accounts in our abm program interesting um, and it goes back to who looks like an ideal customer like our ideal customer profile right um and that changes over time so we um to my point about quality versus quantity you, as a b2 b marketer or seller, want to reassess periodically maybe it 's once a year uh, it 's once a year in our case, uh, who are the named accounts we want to prioritize
0: right who are uh, those top ones that first layer level one level a exactly yeah. you know and you 've got three hundred and what 's interesting about that number is that you know it basically needs to change based on how much love you can show them. I mean, your top group gets the top. They get the most custom, they get the most reach out. So you kind of expand or contract it based on the capabilities of marketing to address those people. So it's cool to hear that you've got 300, the kind of like 300 Spartans out there, but 300 <laughs> the and 300 working on those guys. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, yeah, I wanted to you know get you on here and, um, and I hope we're not getting too technical for folks, but I mean, it's learning about data and the way to approach it is so important. It, but one of the things that's happening in the, at least in the Salesforce ecosystem, is around data.com and it's shutting down and it's going bye-byes. And um, <laughs> what's the skinny on that? It, it's just going away. Why would they do that? And then what are we going to do about it?
1: Yeah. Great topic, Casey. Uh, so yeah. this is something that, you know, Cheshire, Impact, and, and InsideView are both focused on. Um, totally. So let me let me take a step back. So um, many of you who are Salesforce customers, um, you may or may not be a customer of Data.com, which has been a, a Salesforce offering for for a while. Um, so Salesforce started uh, Data.com as a, data service within within Salesforce um, a number of years ago. And what they did was they, they first uh, acquired a company called Jigsaw yeah. that was focused on contacts, uh, people. And it was a, basically a way for salespeople to trade um, contacts. Mm, okay. uh, you know, I Casey's my customer, I'm gonna put Casey into the system and I get to get another lead. <laughs> um, and then, They realized that the the strength or the quality of the contacts alone uh, was not was not good enough because you can imagine there's you know high propensity for those contacts to become out of date very quickly for all the reasons we just talked about thirty million right thirty million moved for all the reasons we just talked about so then they partnered with uh, Dun and Bradstreet DMB to add the account data the firmographic information okay Um, so they were they had been selling data.com as a combination of that account data plus contacts for, for a while. Um, and they would often bundle it in with Salesforce contracts. So um, customers, you know, have been, may or may not have been actively using data.com, but in many cases they have it as a part of their their Salesforce subscription. Um, about a year plus ago, Salesforce made the decision that they didn't want to be in the data business, they wanted to leave that to partners. Sure. Um, and so they decided to sunset uh, data.com completely. Now they're giving it a little bit of a, an off-ramp time. Um, so the actual dates are this coming July, they will stop renewing all data.com contracts. Okay. Um, so if you're an existing data.com customer, you will not be able to renew after this July. Um, and then the following July, a year from, a year and a half from now, in 2020, they will shut down the service completely. So the service will cease to exist. Now, in case you're thinking, well, I have, you know, a year and a half to use it. um, The other thing to consider is that they're not investing in updating the data to keep it Oh, no. So go back and think about everything we just talked about, you know, (laughs) 5% per month, data decay rate, 25% 25% of the database being inaccurate. Yeah. That's if you're keeping it up regularly, they haven't touched it, you know, in over at least over a year. Yikes. So, so the data we've heard from customers, I'm sure you have as well, Casey that uh, from clients that the data quality has definitely degraded. Yikes. So if you're a Salesforce customer that is uh, using data.com or relying on it for the things we talked about, setting sales territories, uh, enriching data, um, making sure that data is accurate for your sellers and your marketing team to go out there and execute, then t- today you're definitely at a loss. Wow. So what InsideView uh, is doing and, and what Cheshire Impact are doing are helping our clients make the transition off of data.com. Yeah. And we ha- InsideView has a um, very easy apples to apples uh, package. Essentially, there are two components to data.com. Um, the first one is data.com clean, which is all about um, cleansing and refreshing the data, the accounts, the contacts. Um, kind of the steps so we're
0: talking about, right?
1: All the steps we were talking about. Um, InsideView has uh, has an offering that is a Clean data.com clean replacement. Um, does exactly the same thing, but with a much higher quality data, um, largely because we, we've like, been actively okay. <laughs> we've been actively refreshing. <laughs> right. um, and then yeah. the other the other offering for Data.com is it was called Data.com Prospector, and that is a, a tool for sales reps who are inside of Salesforce to mm. get intelligence on their prospects, on their customers, and and go out and prospect and sell. Um, right. And again, it's based on the quality of the data. Um, inside View has a very uh comparable offering um with clean and accurate and robust data um that we are we would be very happy to help you migrate off of got
0: it got so it. that's
1: that's the skinny that's on, the i think on we're actually doing a reporting.
0: webinar together right
1: we're doing weeks. a webinar on this uh, at the end of the month i think it's march yeah. 27th but we'll yeah. we'll get a you know, we'll get the the word out on how to register for that. Um, yeah, come we'll join put us a too. link
0: in the show notes too for anyone that's perfect. Interested. Um, but
1: I think the, the bottom line, Casey, is that there are a lot of data.com customers who are customers of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, they are probably sitting on the fence based on uh, conversations we've had, um, because we, we go to our own customers who are Salesforce customers and also okay. Um, prospects and, and say, hey, ask them, did you know data.com is going away? In most cases, either they didn't know <laughs> um, or they they were aware they'd gotten a notification from Salesforce, but they weren't jumping to do anything about it yet. It wasn't right. their top priority. And then when we clicked into, well, did you know that the, the data is degrading and that um, this is basically an opportunity to help your sales and marketing teams today be more effective, and we're here to help you make an easy transition. Um, then you know they're very interested to have that conversation. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we would it encourage sense, it, right?
1: if you're in that boat, let, you know, let's have a conversation about it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, especially if five million of these puppies are moving. They're just moving. I I don't think in that number includes people getting fired or people. You know, I don't know, but moving jobs, man, man, oh, man. So, yeah, you know, I, I, have a question. Who are you? How did you become this data czar? <laughs> like, Great. take us back to like little Joe. <laughs>
1: little Joe. Little Joe grew up in outside of Boston, Massachusetts. There we we go. covered that. You're wearing your shamrock Celtics hat.
0: Yep, we got a little Ironically,
1: hat on. I'm going to the Celtics Warriors game tonight. Nice. Um, so I moved, I moved out to the Bay Area, you know, about 20 years ago. Still Boston blood as far as sports teams. How's uh, that, I,
0: being a Boston fan out, out west?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's been pretty, pretty amazing. Um, okay. Ironically, all these championships that Boston teams have won in the last you know, decade plus have been while I've been out here. Um, so I've been rooting from afar. Um, nice. But, you know, I, I uh, went to college outside of Boston, Brandeis University. Um, I, after school, uh, landed at a what software you go to company. school for? Uh, it was liberal arts, uh, economics, business degree. Economics. Always, you know, I wanted to focus on business. Um, I had a summer internship with a, a software company. Okay. Lotus, Lotus Development Corp. Wow,
0: you know, like Lotus you know, Notes and stuff. Lotus
1: Notes. Wow. Um, that was based, you know, out of Cambridge, Mass. And um, so I started working with them while I was in, you know, undergrad, and then after school, and I focused um, on. I was doing. A little bit of everything, uh, operations, uh, sales, marketing. I spent a few years in sales development. Uh, uh, I was a, you know, an account executive, and I did some account management as well. Um, and then made the transition over to marketing. Hmm. Uh, so my first marketing job was uh, focused on this. You had mentioned it in the TIA before there was demand gen or digital marketing. Right. You called it direct marketing. This was pre-internet. Yeah. Era, you know, I'm clearly dating myself, but we were, <laughs> we did a, we did a, uh, our software company did a large customer acquisition program um, that was a series of regional seminars or events sure. where we would invite people to come and learn about uh, how we can help them, wow. and uh, so it was all through direct mail. We were, um, we were sent. We did over 200 events per year, and we would, we would do all direct mail to get get our attendees there. Um, and so data, we had an inc- we had a very high focus on data throughout that process. Um, you know, we would, we would buy lists. Um, there were, uh, list brokers who would, would feed us information Did You have to go to a back alley to get those lists back in the day. Or? Um, no, there were, there were a lot of, Publishers who would publish, we called them direct Uh response lists. Yeah. Okay. So if you, you know, were if you subscribed to, um, you know, I don't know, CRM magazine. Sure. uh, You could, you would be, you would be on this subscriber list, and we would, you know, we would pick the the publication subscribers based on interest with what we sold, Hmm. Uh, and then we also used a compiled back then and called it a compiled database, right, which was. DMB um and this was the backbone of the the firmographic information God. Um, but there wasn't a lot of flexibility in terms of you know online in terms of direct data sources that we could sure. tap into so we had we did everything through list brokers and through uh through um a service bureau so they right. would take our they would take our data and we would do this um every quarter sometimes more frequently um, they would help us uh, define who our uh, invitation list is was and we would refine that based on results. We would closely look at response rates and we were looking at um, the list being, you know, the list source being a, um, you know, an important variable as well as the creative, like what, what we were actually saying in our invitation, the format of the invitation, a whole bunch of variables. Looking at all these
0: variables. We nice. would
1: test these. Um, because direct mail was very expensive, um, you know if it cost upwards of a dollar per piece, um, and we're sending out millions of these every year, um, every little increase in response rate and conversion rate uh, made a ton of sense um, in, in terms of improving our effectiveness uh, as well as, as every, every small incremental uh, decrease in cost. Right. So fast forward um, you know 25 years. Um, you know, in that time I've worked for a number of software companies, um, transitioned over to more product and solution marketing, which is, um, less focused on the, the demand generation, uh, execution tactics, but more on the strategy of, you know, understanding buyers who, right. who we're selling to, um, and how to reach them. What are the channels that we reach them through? Um, what's the message? how do we position ourselves both right. the product offering the company how do we enable our sellers um, so there's a lot of focus again on that sales and marketing alignment um, so it's really for me come full circle um, and you know as as now i'm working for insideview a company that directly supports people doing all these things that i've done in the past right. yeah um, it's kind of cool. know, having that having yeah. that understanding of what they do why they do it how we can help them do it better, uh, is become really important.
0: So cool. So cool. And then tell me about Africa. Cause we were chatting
1: earlier. Africa, Wow. That's pulling random facts out of the, out of the ether. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. Um, about come a year on, ago, you Joe.
0: come on you, we know things about, about you.
1: About a year ago I went, uh, on a, Photo safari. I'm a so one of my hobbies is I'm a photographer, okay, a wildlife and landscape photographer. And um, I went with my wife on a photo safari to Botswana in South Africa. Wow. Um, incredibly amazing, definitely a trip of a lifetime.
0: Botswana. What is even like going there?
1: Um, well, it's uh, Botswana is a. Um, we were in nor- Northern Botswana on the Okavango Delta, which is this amazing um place that catches a, a tremendous amount of water huh. coming from rainfalls and rivers up north and um it it's basically a, a feeding and wildlife sanctuary for a ton of different animals it's an incredibly large space and there are um all this wildlife uh, and camps that are located throughout. So you basically fly into these camps and you um they take you out on uh you know four wheel drive and you're observing animals in their natural mm. habitats. Um you know everything from you know the big five animals um you know the big cats, lions um, Oh, you want to those cars that had a it had a roof on it. Elephants, right? yeah. One of those
0: uh, open-air open cars or anything like that.
1: Uh, we were in an open-air car. How, how does it even happen? Um, how do you not get eaten? Different, different countries have different uh, regulations. In wow. Botswana, they have open-air vehicles. So there were a few times when we would have uh, – there was actually a hyena that brushed up alongside the car so we could feel it sort of bumping the car. Another time, a hippo charged us. Um, we were about 30 feet away. We had to kick the car into high gear and, and move Jeez. along.
0: Was it a hungry hippo? <laughs> <laughs> hungry,
1: hungry hippo. wow Yeah. Um no, it was incredible experience. Jeez. Uh, so, you know, it's Africa's like a 30 hour flight, uh, multiple flights from where I am on the West Coast. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a lot of time and a lot of money, but if uh your audience, people in your audience are inspired by going and seeing, uh, you know, amazing wildlife in this beautiful place, I would encourage everyone to do that at some point in their lifetime.
0: You know, if we, you have like photos online that we can check out of?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I could send you a link.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that up. That'd be really cool to see. I've always wanted to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro and then maybe do a little safari afterward and kind of catch out the land.
1: Yeah. Kilimanjaro is supposed to be really cool. That's in Tanzania. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I have not been over to East Africa, Tanzania, uh, Kenya. That's another trip I want to do at some point.
0: Yeah. Wow. It sounds like a lot of travel though. Long flight. It flights. is a lot of
1: travel. It's, it's hard to do, uh, you know, and I've got, I've got a family, uh, you know, wife, two boys who are 12 and 10 and they're, they're busy and demanding yeah, busy. attention.
0: Inside so, view is busy. Everyone's busy. Inside <laughs> view is busy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. A
1: lot of demands. We know
0: next time you head over there, we'll we'll keep our eyes open for some photos and you maybe come along Kilimanjaro and take some photos.
1: There are, I mean, the good news is there are a lot of national parks close to home in the U S true that I tend to to visit a lot more often. That's one of the things we're blessed with in the West. That's
0: true. I mean, Yosemite, there's some big, amazing pictures.
1: Yellowstone, Yosemite. Yeah. Both incredible.
0: Yeah, is that photo behind you? Did you take that?
1: No, this is uh actually in I'm in one of the inside view conference rooms. You're in the office. Uh, you
0: should start giving them some of your artwork.
1: I should. That's a great idea.
0: I'm gonna get on uh, I'm like, hey Inside View, come on. You got you got a, we, a lot of these, uh,
1: these photos predated me, but um this one was from someone who took a, a shot from the Marin Headlands overlooking San Francisco Bay and you see the yeah. Bay Bridge. And that's and a nice. great shot.
0: But it'd be great to start seeing your, your artwork just sort of start popping up over the office. <laughs>
1: awesome. We can we can put some screenshots up in our webinar, Casey.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll have to start with that. That'll be, you know, people are like, oh, this is going to be a boring data webinar. I'm like, no, let's start with shots of Africa. Let's
1: start, let's start with the animals. Botswana, bam.
0: That'd be cool. Well, I don't know if you looked at the call, but thank you so much. This has been awesome. I and mean, I've learned a bunch. I've got notes going on over here.
1: They Fantastic. Have, uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure everyone else has learned, too.
1: I hope it's been informative for everyone. Um, and yeah. thank you for having me on. I, You know, to summarize, the data management is a really important topic. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that, you know, all of InsideView and I know Cheshire Impact's uh, clients, customers really care about. True. Um, and we, you know, we uh, we don't pretend to have all the answers. We learn a lot from our own customers. Um, and you know we learn from our partners as well um and we the important thing is that we continue the dialogue that we continue to to um have the conversation as we learn from additional customers as situations change um and we we're here to help you um so if this any of these uh topics or um you know, bits of information today resonate we'd love to have another conversation
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and we look forward to carrying it. Uh, forward again with you Casey on the webinar on the 27th definitely
0: definitely how about you throw out some links you know where can people connect with you
1: yeah you can connect with me on LinkedIn sure. um, so and then also follow me on Twitter uh, at Andrews Joe um, and we'll we'll throw out some of the other contact links in okay. the, uh in the follow-up
0: yeah yeah we'll put them in the show notes it'll be awesome Awesome. Well, thanks again. This is great. Has been cool. I will, I guess I'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks for the webinar. I'll see you in a few weeks, Casey. Awesome, man. And for everyone else listening, if you learn something here about data or you're working with someone who needs to hear this message then make sure you share this episode with them, tag them, shoot it over to them, if you want to see our our beautiful faces, hit it up on YouTube. But either way, get this content in their hands so that they can take some action on it and get some clean data that they can actually trust, have some confidence in. And uh, for everyone else, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.